Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today, Dennis Cuddy is here to reveal the power elite's history and future. And then a little later, Marvin McIlvaney will have a Bible in the News report. Our final conference of the year is this weekend, November 19th and 20th at Sunrise Bible Church in Las Vegas. Speakers include Pastor Billy Crone, Pastor Tom Hughes, Larry Stamm, Micah Van Huss, and Pastor Greg Patton. Make plans now to join us at Sunrise Bible Church in Las Vegas this Saturday and Sunday, November 19th and 20th. Registration is open and space is still available. Visit swrc.com and click on Events. Or simply call 1-800-652-1144 and let us know you're coming to the second annual Las Vegas Prophecy Conference this weekend, November 19th and 20th. Greg Patton and Dr. Dennis Cuddy are back to continue their discussion of the power elite. Today, Dr. Cuddy looks at the history of the power elite and their future. Today, we're privileged again to have Dr. Dennis Cuddy from the power elite and the secret Nazi plan that we talked about on the last program. And today, another book that he has through Southwest Radio Church, The Power Elite and Their History and Their Future. Dr. Cuddy has testified before members of Congress on behalf of the U.S. Department of Justice. He's written 25 books and booklets, or edited some of those, written hundreds of articles, and he's been a guest on, well, one program after another across the country. So we're privileged to have him on today's program. Dr. Cuddy, The Power Elite and the History. So a little bit about the past, today, and tomorrow. And I'm just going to let you take off here. Okay. I do a presentation in this book of certain key elements or groups. And I begin with a good starting point was the Knights Templar about a thousand years ago and how they came about. They were the first, I guess you'd say, global at the time, bankers. They allied with the assassins, which were the Muslims. They used to fight each other, you know, in the battles of, over Jerusalem and so forth and so on. And after a while, they finally figured out why we, you know, slaughtering each other. We'll just form, form a business out of this thing. And we will escort people from Europe into the Middle East, and then the assassins would pick that up and escort them eastward for a nice fat fee. And that way, we'll both get rich, which they did. And then, uh, especially Philip of Spain and some in Europe, got very, very jealous of the power of the Knights Templar and actually burned Jacques de Molay at the stake in the early 1300s. They framed him, basically, is what what happened to him. You started to have a system of banking. It wasn't, you know, like you, you know banking today, but powerful groups and people controlling economically the activities of even entire countries. They would fund people like this so that by the 1600s and 1700s, these powerful entities in the area of banking would actually make loans to entire governments to fight wars. You know, if Spain was going to fight France, they would be funded by these people. So those people had a lot to say over, you know, what was done and not done and who got, you know, assassinated or not assassinated. That's where it begins. And then I have a historical outline which is the second chapter, and that just sort of hits high spots from back then up till today. And then I return to the period of 200 years ago and focus on the Illuminati. A lot of people, as soon as you say that, say, oh, that's ridiculous, that's a lot of conspiratorial nonsense. But it's not. I really identify 
specific people and their task. They weren't just a group of people. Adam Weishaupt was a sort of renegade Jesuit, and he formed the group. And they formed May 1st, which is May Day and the communist celebration of May Day, just before our Declaration of Independence. And my sense is they knew what we were up to with this declaration and a breaking away from Britain was about to come. And so what they wanted to do was have a piece of this manipulative puzzle that was going on. Now, when you go into a history book and you'll learn about the Whiskey Rebellion in Pennsylvania in such and such a year, and you'll say, oh, yeah, I understand that. But what you don't know is how it fits. So, for example, George Washington, President Washington, wrote a letter in 1798 to a Reverend Snyder saying, oh, yeah, I know they're here. The Illuminati's here in this country. They're not just over in Europe. They've actually made their way here. So the citizen Genet from France had been assigned by them to go to Moscow first, Russia, because they want to try you know, a revolution over there, a big country. We want to revolt. And if you go to Russia, you'll see an obelisk to Alexander I. And he was actually tutored by, when he was a young fellow prince, by the Illuminati. So they would place their people in key positions to control princes who would become czars and kings and, you know, whatever. So they would control the leaders of countries in the future because they got a hold of them when they were young. And so the Russians weren't stupid, so they kicked him out. So he comes in here, Charleston, works his way up through the Carolinas into Pennsylvania. And so I had a Rhodes Scholar, remember Cecil Rhodes, former society elect to take the government of the world, James Billington, who was librarian of Congress, I said, would you please open that glass case you have there, one copy of a book by John Wood in 1802. And I wanted him to send me a copy of that because it had the oath of these democratic, they call them here, democratic society. And I laid it down on my left hand, and on the right hand, I laid down the secret oath of the Illuminati, the Bavarian Illuminati, the original one. They were identical. So I said, aha, so we know that these so-called democratic societies are actually the Illuminati coming here, stirring up their revolution again. And that proceeds up to today. I identify what their tasks are. One particular one had a task of controlling education. And so in another book that Southwest Radio Church has produced, which is called Conspiracy, one of the last chapters I put is a long chapter about Common Core. The people listening to your program, whether they're in Oklahoma or whatever other state, they'll be familiar with Common Core. It's a disaster, an educational disaster. But I track it all the way back 200 years ago. A man named Pestalozzi, codenamed Alfred, was a Swiss Illuminist. And his job was to take over public education and wipe out Christianity. And so I proceed over 200 years to show exactly how he did that. One of the people was Robert Owen, Robert Dale Owen. They got together with this Madame Francois de Rousmont, who Lafayette brought over here, and they formed the first commune. It wasn't Karl Marx. We formed it here in New Harmony, Indiana. And what they wanted to do was get one of their people, Robert Dale Owen, elected to Congress. So he set up the Smithsonian, which was become the Temple of Science, and replace Christianity. Christianity, the early readers were McGuffey readers based on the Bible. A, and Adam's fall, we sinneth all, like that. They want to get rid of that and make science. See, science was going to be the new God. And so I tracked that all the way up till today. Now, they also sometimes, the next chapter is about 
psychological conditioning of Americans. So I would put in something like, in 9-11, you had a case of an attack, and the very afternoon of the attack, you had the results of an ABC Washington Post poll. Before the attack, Americans virtually unanimous who say freedom's important. Freedom's extremely important value. Well, by the afternoon of the attack, two-thirds of the public was saying, we'll give away some of our freedom for security. See, this is one of those reactions. They create a situation, then there's a reaction. The 9-11 attack, I've written two books published by Southwest Radio Church about that and what it was really about and what really happened, which you have not not been told. So psychologically conditioning, there was a man named Edward Bernays, 1928, the nephew of Sigmund Freud. He became the first advisor to CBS News when it started. He also wrote a book called Propaganda. And in there he says, we have the technical means now to manipulate you without you even knowing it. And then I track that on up, how they've done that through television, through TV commercials. I track it step by step to show how they would do that. And then they'll use misdirection. They'll make you think they're going to do one thing, but they'll really do something else. So, for example, we didn't like and the British didn't like the Iranians nationalizing their oil. So we overthrew the government there secretly. But we used some of our Nazi friends who we saved from World War II and trained some Iranians, and they had them dress up like the pro-Soviet Tudor Party, the Tudor Party. So when they started talking about burning mosques, the Iranians would say, oh, look at those bad pro-Soviets. It was really us. We were really doing it. So they have a sense of misdirection. My next chapter is the Oklahoma City bombing. You really don't know what the Oklahoma City bombing was about. A friend of mine, Craig Roberts, he was a Tulsa police officer. He thoroughly investigated that. He found out certain police people, a policeman, a young policeman was being assassinated. He found out a lot more than you've ever been told about what really happened in Oklahoma City. For example, you would find out later when this was organized at LOM City that half of those people were FBI informants. I used to know people in the Michigan militia, militia. Later on, you find out the FBI had, had infiltrated them. When the World Trade Center was hit, they had already tried to bomb it back in 1993. The man who made the bomb had gone to his FBI handler, or whatever you want to call him, and said, please give me some fake bomb-making material. And the FBI guy said, no, you'll have to use the real stuff. Now, just think about that. It's not what you see. So in Oklahoma City, you will find that one of the people really pushing for the attack was Andreas Strassmeyer from Germany. You'll find out that Timothy McVeigh had gone over there meeting Strassmeyer before he came back here. You will also find out that just like Osama bin Laden may not have been you know, killed when they said he was dumped in the ocean, which was not part of Islamic ceremony. You're supposed to bury them on land you'll find out that maybe Timothy McVeigh was not executed. And I put a statement in there, and you can see this online. There was a Chicago woman news reporter on one of the major networks in Chicago. And she does a report, and she says at the end, I was one of those selected to witness the execution of Timothy McVeigh. And so she's sitting there, and about the last thing she said was, I didn't know that your chest still moved up and down when you were dead. Well, of course it doesn't move up and down. 
So he was taken off supposedly to some some secret location. If you read that, you'll get a better understanding of Oklahoma City. Wow. Then I get, the next chapter is a bold new world and forces too powerful. Some of the plans and execution of these power elite with specific examples of how they did X, Y, and Z. And the word forces too powerful was by a former CIA director who wound up mysteriously just disappearing, was found dead, leaving his computer on in his home. And he had told an individual who's going to do an expose in, I think it was Nebraska in some pedophile ring or whatever, he said, the CIA guy advising the fellow said, you have to watch out what you're printing because there are forces too powerful for you to go up against. So this shows the danger of crossing these people. The next chapter is the parallel in the Muslim Brotherhood. The Muslim Brotherhood you, you've heard about, but you don't know that much about them. They were formed by Hassan al-Banna back in 1928. They were basically started with the permission of this secret group, the Cecil Rhodes Secret Society, which ran British foreign policy. The British would manipulate nations. In 1921, they cut off the bottom of Iraq and formed the nation of Kuwait, so that as colonialism was ending, they could still control Iraq and its oil because they controlled the emir of Kuwait, so that Iraq did not have a direct outlet to the sea. Uh, very, very clever manipulation of entire countries was going on. You'll find that by the mid-1950s, the Muslim Brotherhood had already been infiltrated by American intelligence, French intelligence, British intelligence. They were already infiltrated. So by the time we come more closely to today, when you see an action by the Muslim Brotherhood, you have to pause and say, wait a minute, is this part of a larger plan? Is this brought about by the infiltrators? So when Mubarak was overthrown during the Arab Spring and the Muslim Brotherhood came in, that was a fake. They wanted that to happen so that everybody would rush to the Muslim Brotherhood and then be disappointed because they were just as terroristic as Mubarak was, so that they would finally wind up with somebody even worse than Mubarak, and his name is General Sisi today. He's got this high voice, but he is ruthless. But nobody's protesting. You know, nobody's out in the square protesting this guy. So this solidified him. And also, when you had that period of time, the Muslim Brotherhood was in control, what you had was Gaddafi overthrow. The weapons were not secured. What we find out is that the anti-tank weapons were allowed to go through Egypt up to Hamas to use to stop the Israelis. The smaller weapons, AK-47 and so forth, went south to form Boko Haram. Nobody seems to want to know where did Boko Haram come from in Africa? Where did he get his money? Where did he get his guns? This is how it happened. I mean, if you, you the listener, were going to take over a country, one of the first things you do is secure the weapons of the previous ruler. They didn't do that. See, there's something that I call stupid and then too stupid. When something too stupid happens, I become suspicious. And the next chapter talks about looming economic disaster, and that's what's going to happen. The public is clueless. Remember, they're manipulable, and they don't have any idea what's going on. They're kept in the dark. They've been dumbed down in terms of education, been fed a lot of junk. It's like Nero. Nero said 2,000 years ago, give them circuses. He built the Roman Colosseum, not because he liked public works, because he wanted to make the people happy. 
So they would have chariot races, you know, like Indianapolis 500 today, right? Gladiator fights like professional wrestling and football, right? It's the same thing. It's just a different time. Give them circuses, and here they say, keep them fat, dumb, and happy. The same thing. You occupy. Occupy the people so they don't know what's going on. They could become more, hey, did Michigan State win tonight? Did Oklahoma, University of Oklahoma? You know, get them occupied with that stuff so they don't actually listen to Southwest Radio Church as much as they should or read Cuddy's books like they should. So there's a looming economic disaster that's sneaking up on us. Then I have the election of 2012 simply because the book was written, not today, that book. And the other book that you published, Conspiracy, is more recent, and there's a second volume of that. And then the final one is Looking Backward, where I actually do what Bellamy did. I look at the year 2100 backwards. So what I do is project future things, like I say, in the future, this will happen. And then I show that it's already started. For example, at Soledad Prison, they have been able to tell the prisoner, okay, we're going to give you a dental exam or something, right? So we'll put you to sleep. They say, okay, I'll put me to sleep dentally. And what they did was they placed a little chip behind the prisoner's eye. And in that little chip, they can control the prisoner's emotion. They can make him happy, sad, quiet, whatever. So I go into this sort of futuristic science that is going to happen in the future and has already started to happen today. That's the final chapter, looking backward. I think you'll find all of these things very interesting. And once you understand what's happening, you'll be able to recognize it when you see the news or you see the election, like whether the last election was rigged. You can rig an election without fraud. One thing that you may not know, for example, is Google. I'll just use Google as an example. Did you know Google bought a thermostat company? What's Google need with a thermostat company? Well, in the new digital thermostats, they have placed, not all, they have placed a little listening device. So they know whether you've brushed your teeth or not like that. And you may say, oh, that's ridiculous. That's absurd. Well, I told it to this fellow I know at a UPS store. He said, you know, I thought something strange was going on. The fellow went home. He said, I went home. I turned off everything in my house, the computer, cell phone, everything just off. He said, and I started talking to myself out loud. And he said, I mentioned something that I never mentioned before, prune juice. And then I mentioned a specific brand, let's say Smith's Prune Juice. And I was talking, blah, 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 Smith's Prune Juice, blah, blah, Smith's Prune Juice. He said, within one hour, I had an ad for Smith's Prune Juice on my social media, even though everything was off. That is how detailed and scientific and futuristic this has become, and the public is clueless. You got it. I mean, this is fascinating. You probably wouldn't be surprised if I'm saying, I can't get my mind around this. If you're just being introduced to it, you yeah. can't. Who can I trust? Obviously, our ultimate is Jesus Christ, but with what we're talking Absolutely. about here. Absolutely. That's it. That's Stop, it. Period. That's it. <laughs> Stop right there. So I'm serious, because a lot of preachers are more interested in megachurching than they are in actually preaching the Word of yes. God. Yes. Yes, indeed. Wow. It has just been absolutely fascinating. Not enough time. And if you'd like to get any copies of his book from Southwest, 1-800-652-1144 or swrc.com. The complete two-day conversation on the Power Elite with Dennis Cuddy is available on CD. Simply call toll-free 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Today in the Resource Center, we are highlighting two of Dr. Dennis Cuddy's books, 
the power elite and the secret Nazi plan, and the power elite, their history and future. In The Power Elite, Their History and Future, Dr. Cuddy covers the methods the power elite have used, including psychological conditioning and misdirection. He takes an extensive look at how a bold new world is being shaped using coercive means to undermine national sovereignty and bring about a world socialist government. Order both books on The Power Elite by Dennis Cuddy today when you call 1-800-652-1144 or order online swrc.com. Last Tuesday's election results did not see the red wave many had predicted. Marvin McIlvaney looks at these results and what our response should be as believers in today's Bible in the News report. There has always been a fight between good and evil. We know who wins in the end, but in the meantime, we struggle. In the parable found in Matthew 13, Jesus illustrates the kingdom of heaven by describing it how it is like a farmer who planted good seed in his field. But during the night, the enemy snuck in and planted weeds among the wheat. Both the weeds and the wheat grew alongside of each other at the same time. This parable shows how the followers of Satan will flourish and bloom and ripen into the wickedest, the most lustful, the most terrifying the most idolatrous, the most selfish generation in the history of the world. But at the same time, the children of God will grow and flourish and ripen as we move into our future of becoming the most powerful, godly, miracle-working, radiant body of believers the world has ever known, both growing side by side until the end. Apostle Paul warns us about the weeds in the last days. Paul says the intensity of the spiritual battle will increase. He says there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful and proud and abusive and disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Have nothing to do with such people. A world in rebellion against God will have an evil point of view and embrace an upside-down morality. There are many, many people today who promote behaviors that the Bible specifically calls sinful. The celebration of homosexuality and the defense of abortion on demand are clearly sinful. But besides celebrating those things, the rebellious usually throw in some mockery of those who value life and promote traditional marriage. Evil is called good and good is slandered as evil. I think the parable of the wheat and the weeds helps to explain why the so-called red wave the Republicans expected turned into a red foam. Lots of little bubbles. The idea is that just as many people are coming to the Lord, many are turning their backs on Him. Jesus said they would grow together. In 2 Timothy 3.13 we read, But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. It doesn't say everybody will wax worse and worse. But the evil men will. They're already evil. You would think in the United States with churches everywhere that Christians would easily outnumber the weeds. But when you look at the results of the voting, the percentages are almost identical. 49% to 51%. 48% to 50%. That can only mean that there are some Christians who are voting with the party that approves of shedding of innocent blood. There are Christians voting for those who support homosexuality. 
There are Christians who look like Christians, but are not. That's why this election was so close. Tucker Carlson of Fox News had this to say about the disappointment in the results. Quote, Two and a half years ago, the last administration, its Republican allies in Congress, watched passively, seemingly in glassy-eyed sedation, as the Democratic Party used the pretext of COVID to rewrite election laws around the country in order to get its own candidates into office. They didn't do it by accident. They knew what they were doing. Last night, those laws, many of which are still on the books, paid off generously. John Fetterman bombed in his one public debate. You saw it. He humiliated himself. He made a mockery of the election, but it didn't matter by that point. Close quotes. Other disappointed Republicans tried to explain it by saying it was a good night for Joe Biden and a miserable one for Donald Trump. Trump is still the dominant figure in the Republican Party, and he'll be the favorite to win the GOP nomination for president if, as expected, he runs again. But Trump's place in the party is far weaker after Tuesday. The truth is, if not for the former president's interventions, the night could have been a lot better for the GOP. Close quote. So, Trump was the problem, according to them. Others said, we just have such poor candidates who don't appeal to a broader base. Others said, our candidate lost because they questioned the last election's results. Still others blame the recent Supreme Court ruling regarding Roe v. Wade. Regardless of what you think caused the red wave to turn into a red ripple, the fact remains that now politicians are gearing up for the 2024 presidential election. A new poll out shows voters have a new level of polarization dividing the nation. Some 80% of Democrats and Republicans believe that the other political party poses a threat that, if not stopped, will destroy America as we know it. That's from an NBC News poll. The country is more divided now than it's ever been. Some of the votes remain to be counted. That in itself is odd because during the COVID pandemic days, Every night they had a list of how many new cases there were, how many were in the hospital, how many died that day, but they still can't count the votes? This causes many people to doubt the entire election process. Many people now believe that the whole system is rigged. It doesn't matter if they vote. The winner was already decided months ago. We read in 2 Corinthians 4.4, The God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine upon them. Apart from God, our whole value system will always become a confused pile of nothingness. People will label biblical morality as intolerant and oppressive. People take offense at the truth that Jesus is the only way to salvation. Light has come into the world, but people love the darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. At this rate, who knows? Maybe the Antichrist will be voted in. The Power Elite and the Secret Nazi Plan, which reveals how America is being moved more and more toward a techno-feudal national socialism in order to fit into the Power Elite's master plan. In the book, The Power Elite, Their History and Future, Dr. Cuddy projects into the future to see how the Power Elite's ultimate plan for a world socialist government was fulfilled. Order both books today when you call 1-800-652-1144. Or you can order online, swrc.com. Make sure you ask how you can receive free shipping on your order when you call today. 
1-800-652-1144. Tomorrow, Steve Butler will continue his fascinating series on why we should explore Bible prophecy. Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station by downloading our SWRC mobile app or by subscribing to our daily Watchman on the Wall podcast. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Please visit swrc.com.